You know, I'll tell you what, everybody, I'm really getting fed up with a friend of mine. I, I keep calling him up and saying, hey, let's go out and get drinks. And he says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'll talk about some websites we're working on and, and what we're doing. And I'm like, that'll be awesome. I love sitting down and, and talking with my peers. And we get out there, we walk up to the bar and, and walk in. And every time he turns around and walks right out. Yeah, what's going on? I stop him. I say, hey, man, why, why don't you come in and sit down and have a drink? Every time he turns to me and says, I just can't take it, man. Can't stand their table layout. I don't know. You tell me. Was that better than last week? I don't really know anymore. Holy macaroni grill, everybody. It's Wednesday, so you know what that means. It's real-time overview, and I'm your host, Michael Fien, and every week we come to you with a bunch of articles that we read and we thought were cool and we wanted to tell you about. If you're a web developer, or a web designer, or a UX guy, or a UI girl, whatever the case may be, we hope you find these a little bit helpful. I want to start this week off with a source of news that we wouldn't have really expected to come up. This is The New Yorker. Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm including this in part simply because of the content, which is an editorial looking at the practice of inviting users out to test your app. Drunk. One might even call it a drunken UX test. I'm sorry, I know I start with a bad joke and I just made one there. I really apologize for that. Listen, as the New Yorker notes, drunk user testing is based on the design principle that an app should be simple enough that even a drunk person can use it. Quote, unquote. So listen, this is simply a bad premise to launch from. <laughs> it seems reasonable in a way, but if you're building a tool, inebriation isn't necessarily an effective proxy for user challenges for a million reasons. At the very least, you're generating a lot of false positive data points. The article quotes a software engineer saying, the idea of intoxicating a large group of people is good to get a lot of data that you might not get otherwise. Okay, listen, there's a reason for that. Your data ends up polluted because for businesses, drunken users aren't a persona you're building a market around. Now, there is one definite exception, though, and that's ride-sharing apps like Uber and Lyft. Those should be easy enough for a drunk person to use. But let's say you're somebody like Mint or Quicken. Not so much of the case, right? This article has garnered an awful lot of feedback in the last few days, and much of that has been focused specifically on the exercise, and it's been far less than complimentary. This is looking at folks like Dana Chisnell, who's called it irresponsible and unethical. So what do you think? Let us know. Is a drunken user testing party useful for finding real problems in your tools, or is it just an excuse to reach out to programmer culture? As soon as I've said that, I feel dirtier for even using the phrase programmer culture. And don't hold it against us, please. The Drunken UX podcast doesn't advocate for taking a bunch of users out and, and giving them drinks and trying to milk them for information. We're all about us getting drunk and having an experience with our listeners as the user and telling you what we think about things. We feel that's okay and we hope you have fun with that. But check out this article. It's over at The New Yorker and we will have a link for it back in the show notes. Next up, I don't have an article for you, 
but rather a new tool that we found. The shortcuts.design website has put together a series of product categories for designers and developers, creating an index of applications and a list of all of their keyboard shortcuts. Ever wonder what the shortcut for joining lines is in Atom? Or how about grouping objects in Adobe XD? They're still adding many more apps to their index, and it's a little hit or miss when it comes to Apple versus Windows shortcuts with bias towards Apple products. But the platform is open source on GitHub, so the community at large can go make pull requests and help by adding shortcuts for missing tools or environments. They've put together a nice interface though, makes it easy to find controls for a lot of tools in one single place. It's a promising platform that I think will be worth bookmarking and keeping an eye on over time. As they improve their support, this could make a great reference for designers and developers alike. Okay, so my must read for the week comes from Hardik Pandia and his article about what he's learned at Google as a designer. This particular piece is a bit longer, and it promises to grow over time as he learns more, but it's well worth the 15-minute read. What makes it work so well is that each lesson is a bite-sized little morsel unto itself, and he's generalized the information so it's not specific to anything at Google itself. In other words, it's a lot of really great stuff you can use to make yourself better at your job, wherever you happen to be. One of the highlighted comments comes in a form designed to chip away at imposter syndrome where he says, you aren't paid to have all the answers. You were paid to find the answers. There's so much in this article that I'd be doing a disservice to everybody by trying to cherry pick a few bullet points out to give you here. Instead, I want to encourage you to go check it out and scan through it. Each thought is easy to skim individually and you can find the bits that will be most useful for you. You can check out his post over at Medium. Okay, so let's talk about Kathleen Warner for a second. Kathleen is a product designer for the Facebook news feed. I want to draw some attention to an article of hers that was included at UX Collective about how to develop an eye for design. I've made no secret about how I'm pretty much useless as a designer. Luckily, I'm better at that than I am singing, but honestly, not by much. This article does two things, though, that are really useful in my opinion. First off, she includes some animations that progressively fill in pieces of a UI to help you think about each component and how they flow to and through one another. Secondly, she follows that with observations about those UI components to give what you just saw context and then help you think about what you're seeing. Overall, it's a quick read, and you're not going to come out of it with your mind totally blown. But when I read through it, it was a bit like that morning cup of coffee. It sort of kick-started some thoughts about how to look at things. And sometimes, that's exactly what you need. Adobe checks in with us this week to offer up 15 rules every UX designer should know. Nick Babich authors this piece, reviewing a number of fundamental concepts that anyone interested in UX should take their time to review. And if you aren't interested in UX, well, that's just too bad, because you should read it too. There's nothing wrong with a little cross-discipline education. This guide is all about how you build something people will walk away from feeling like they got done what they set out for. This means looking at processes that emphasize recognition over recall, and considering the attention span of your users. 
but they're also pieces of advice directly aimed at you as well. Like being sure you use real content when you're building things and avoiding trying to solve every problem at once. Nick concludes with a favorite piece of advice of mine. Don't try to redesign everything all at once. Instead, focus on measuring and adjusting regularly. Your users will thank you, but more importantly, so will your sanity. Because I'm a sucker, anytime I see the phrase dark pattern, apparently. Let's finish up today with a trip to Fast Company Design and their piece looking at how designers would fix Amazon. You don't even need to throw a stone these days to find someone with an opinion about how to improve something on Amazon. They have simultaneously become indispensable for many people while at the same time becoming less and less user-centric. A couple specific enhancements come out of this particular piece, both aimed at making what you find and how you find it more personal and reflective of a human touch rather than coming at you with pure algorithm. This idea is especially interesting to me when we think about it in context of the existing user review system and how untrustworthy it's becoming. I like this particular article because of how it walks you through the thought process behind these ideas. Amazon may seem like an easy target, but that doesn't make improving it easy. Like with Kathleen Warner's piece earlier, this one might help you get your brain into the right gear to start thinking about how you build tools and solutions for your users. And that wraps up your real-time overview for this week. I'm your host, Michael Feenan. You can follow us online at Twitter and Facebook, at DrunkenUX. If you want to check me out, I'm at Feenan, F-I-E-N-E-N. You can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all those places. I'm pretty easy to track down. If you want to say hi, hey, come wave. That's cool. We hope you found these articles useful this week. As always, links to every single one of them will be in the show notes over at DrunkenUX. Com. Also, be sure, don't miss out on episode 9 of the Drunken UX podcast. That aired on Monday. That was the Love at First Sight episode where Aaron and I both looked at our first websites and how we got into building those tools and what that means for people looking at building websites in the future in terms of kids that are looking at web development today and what they will look back on the way we look back on things like marquee tags and blink tags and stupid stuff like that. It's a fun episode. We had a good time uh, recording that. So go check that out. Let us know what you think. As always, if you have any news in web development that you want to let us know about, stop by the website, drop us a link or, or tweet at us or, or post a, uh, on Facebook, whatever tickles your fancy. Let us know and we'll check it out and see if we can squeeze it in. Until next time, keep your personal is close and your users closer.